Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Nine two two seven. As we get started here, I want to bring on Chris Arrington from Arrington Roofing because there has been so much going on in the roofing here in the Dallas area here lately. And Chris, how are you today? Man, we're doing good, especially because I'm inside in the air conditioning. It's hot oh, outside. Well, we can we can we can fix that problem. There's got to be a roof you got to get up on. <laughs> I know there's a lot. It is. It, we've gone, Jim. Just imagine a month ago when it was raining, raining, raining every day, and we're like, "Golly, is it ever going to stop?" Well, it stopped. There's sun. Now you got to get to get get busy. You got to make uh, hay while the sun shines. You know. I know, and it is it is brutal. Hey, I, I've on that note before you. If you, I know you may have a question for me, but before before you have a, before we get started. Uh, because of the heat, I want all the listeners to know if your roof is steep, we are telling all of our clients right now, just be patient, wait. It is really not the time to do a steep shingle roof. And, and you know why. No, you'll tear the it, shingles up before you get it done. It, it, it's impossible. With this heat, matter of fact, on if it's too steep, we just have to get off of them in the middle of the day. So we are doing the lower pitched, you know, I mean, it's you know, not flat, but it'll have some pitch to it. But when you get past an 8 and 12 pitch where, you know, for the homeowners, when you look at it and go, I'm not getting on that, those are the ones we don't need to be on right now. And it's it's not an excuse. It's it's the facts. We just, you don't want well, to and, and, right and, you know, that's, that's something that people have to understand is, you know, just because you're ready to do something, whether it's you as a contractor or you as a homeowner, property owner, doesn't mean it physically can be done. And, and what you're talking about is something with the, with the way the sun is heating all those shingles up. They become soft. You're going to tear them up on that steep slope just trying to stay on the roof. Oh, that's exactly it. And a lot of people will go, well, I don't want it done, you know, when it's really cold because they won't seal together. Well, I mean, our... Texas winter wasn't exactly very cold. You know, they'll they'll seal together. But, you know, at 98, 100, we're going to start probably hitting over 100. It, they almost get fluid. Now, I'd say that, and people think, well, they're not going to turn to water. But, no, but they get really soft. So yeah. I just want everybody to understand when we – because a lot of, you know, your listeners have been calling us, and, and we're – and they understand. I just want everybody to know – uh, well, and, and, you know, okay. by soft, and, and let's make sure everybody understands, by soft, what happens when people walk on it, it actually breaks those little, the little gravels loose, and it can, it'll shorten the lifespan of that roof. Right, because the little granules that are on there, besides being a color to look pretty, they protect the asphalt from the sun. So getting into the technical part of it, yeah. And, and a guy just walking across it when it gets that hot his his foot i've seen this not even if he scrapes it his the the sole of his shoe will pull them off yep. they start sticking to the, the bottom of his shoe so it's well, you know, that's just let's 
let's talk for a minute about the storms because there was a lot of storms that came through this uh, this winter and spring. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I know a lot of people had issues with their roofs, uh, and, and not necessarily stuff that had to be done immediately, but roofs that need to be replaced just because of the shortening of the life. Right. And a lot, you know, we're, there's even some decking repair going on out in the Wiley area. That got hit. The hail was so big and there was so much. Now, those people, they need their roof redone because they're going to have leaks. You know, we're talking about hail big enough to uh, break, you know, in some places come through the plywood. So wow. they got holes. Now, you know, most of the people out there, you know, and if you'll call us, we'll, we'll let you know, you're not going to have a leak. But this storm, yes. I mean, some having to replace the whole deck. I mean, well, Jim, just was because the, the roof's not leaking, though, doesn't mean that they couldn't have a problem. Right, um, yes, if it was an older one, they, yeah. They, and they could start getting some leaks. Now, yeah. not that it's going to rain anytime soon, but, but no. they. <laughs> hey, we're going back up to 60% next week. Yay. We need a little bit of relief. But Chris, but, I'm going to come through this wire here and have to whoop on you a little bit. You know, I like it nice, hot, and dry. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> For your foundation, there you go. <laughs> But you guys are down the cool dirt, man. Y'all are playing in the dirt down there. <laughs> hey, we're talking with Chris Arrington of Arrington Roofing. And, uh, Chris, let's, let's talk about the storm damage again for a second, though, because a lot of people didn't call their insurance companies. They didn't bother having the roof checked. A lot of neighbors are getting roofs replaced by the insurance company. Is it too late? And, you know, Jim, this is... Uh, you probably feel like a broken record because you answer the same question so many times, but it is with, with, with this, too. Time. You, you and I have said it for years and years. Time is on the side of the homeowner. You've got probably up to a year to even file the claim. Um, and, and, you know, one of my other warnings right now to, to help people understand why it's probably important, just if you want to wait, wait. There are so many contractors here saying, hurry up and do it. And the yep. reason they're saying, hurry up and do it, is because they got to run to the next storm. They're not saying, hurry up and do it for your good. They're doing it for their good. They got to get as much work done as they can here and get out of town because that's their, that's their business model, you know? Yeah. And we have already, Jim, this is the first storm. I've, we've already had five requests for inspections on roofs already put on in this storm that we've gone and looked at and it's i've you know i can't even use the word on the air it, it's bad i mean they got a brand new roof insurance paid for it the guys rushed through it and it's not good yeah it's all right if you say it's boogered up that's what I was going to say. That's boogered <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. up. <laughs> I mean, they got up there, and there was nail pops, and there's fish mouths. I mean, all these things mean there's na there's. Hang on now. I know what nail pop. What is fish mouths? Where the where it the nail hasn't popped through the top of the shingle, but it's raised it up. Okay. So when you look up on the roof, you see this little curve shadow where the uh -huh. shingle's kind of kind of standing up a little bit. Yeah, it's like a little hump there. 
little hump there, and and okay. with as much heat as we're having, that shingle will settle down right over that high nail, and it'll pop through Poke the top of through. it. Now you got a hole. Yep. No. Well, that now now we're going back to where you were talking about the shingle almost becomes liquid, and on a on a case like you're talking about, it'll yeah. punch through. Yeah, and yeah, and pretty easy now. I mean, they're they're yeah, it it's easy. It is real easy. Yeah. So, now, but, but you know what? We Chris, do. If someone's had a roof put on, we'll go out and look at it for them. If they want us to give us opinion on, are they going to be satisfied or not? We'll go look. Well, at you it. know, we we spent a lot of time talking about the uh, shingle roofs, but what about flat roofs and metal roofs and uh, yeah, roofs that are actually designed for hail protection? I mean, well, a, hail a resistant lot, you know, roofs. Yeah. Flat roofs, uh, just because they're usually a heavier-duty product, because they're having to probably have standing water, or they take more of the heat from the sun, they don't get damaged as easy. Now, when they when a flat roof does get damaged, say it's um, an asphalt-type product, uh, it, it, they'll leak quicker, too, if they do get punctured. And then you've got water that doesn't really run off that fast. So, you know, and there's lots of houses these days, especially with the modern style coming into vogue, that have flat roofs. So um, they need to really be looked at now. Because here's what happens, right. too, Jim. You, you don't get a lot of rain, uh, and but it rains and it leaks, and it doesn't leak enough to go into the house, cause a stain on the ceiling but it's still getting in there under the roof. Well, on those flat ones, it'll get soaked up by the insulation underneath the roof or into the decking. Then eventually you get mold or wood rot. Or I'm, I'm, I'm getting a bad visual here, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah. those need to be there, taken it, care of. Yeah, that's where the, the decking starts to rot and the, the insulation stinks. And Yeah, yeah. and especially with hot weather. I mean, that mold's growing. It loves the heat. Yeah, it's growing like crazy. Well, I'm uh, talking with Chris Arrington from Arrington Roofing. Chris, you mind holding on through a break? Sure, you bet. Okay, yeah. talking with Chris Arrington from Arrington Roofing, and Chrissy, there still. Oh yeah, I'm here. Okay, let's talk about hail-resistant roofs for uh, for a minute, because uh, you know that's one of the things a lot of times people start uh, thinking about when they're looking at uh, getting the roof done can i go with a hail resistant shingle right Uh, and we recommend that to everyone at least to look and if they just want to make it a math problem call their agent tell their insurance agent we're thinking about putting a an impact resistant product on our roof what would my premiums go down to and then look if you're going to save four hundred dollars a year and it's going to cost an extra $1,600 to put that upgrade product on. At a four-year payback, I'd say do it, because then the fifth year, you're starting to make money. I mean, And that's year after year after year. And so an impact-resistant product is actually a shingle that they make shingles that are impact-resistant that don't look any different from the shingles you've got. Now, you could go to tile or metal or an, another hard product, but uh-huh. now you're, you're spending a lot more money. Yeah. 
Well, and since you're bringing up those, the, the tiles over the years have actually changed. There, a lot of them are synthetic now. Oh, there's there are some synthetic tiles out there. Uh, we did one for a guy, and he said, "No, I don't want that. I, I want one like this guy across the street, like his his slate over there." So I went over there and knocked on the door, and I said, "You know what? What product is on your house?" And he and it was a synthetic. <laughs> went back across. The street <laughs> said, you want it just like that one, right? He said, "Yeah." I go, "It's plastic. That's a pla- That's how good the synthetic. You know, I say plastic, but that you know, it's not that simple, but." They are so good and so real looking, and the great thing for us is that if there's ever a problem, some problem with it, you can bend it up and take a shingle out and replace it. With yeah, you tile, couldn't do that with the old slate lock. ones. With slate, yeah. you, you the way you do it, you have to saw it out, and then you have to hang it with a wire. It's just way more labor intensive. You can do it, but it's it's so much easier. They're so, they're, they are labor-friendly. And and they are oh, hail-resistant. They're bulletproof. Those things are incredible. I love them. Yeah. And they look now, what's the latest on flat roofs? We were talking about those a minute ago. I mean, it used to be you you went down with the asphalt and the, and the layers and then gravel on top. But there's a lot of other choices nowadays for flat roofs. Yeah, the and, and that's a built-up roof, asphalt with a gravel top. Or you can do that kind of a roof and put a coating on top of it. The, the reason it all goes back to covering asphalt from the sun because it's not made to be in the sun. The gravel, the coating, okay. whatever you put on it needs Well, Chris, to be that there. music means we got to go to new traffic and weather. I appreciate you taking time out of your Saturday. Let's talk with uh, Chris. This is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. I'm in the... Uh... The process of buying a home, it was built in 2005. It's uh, uh-huh. got really nice cabinets, and but the previous owners painted them, and they painted them thick and terrible. What, what are the options Uh-oh. of getting it back to normal wood stain or maybe even repainting them to a decent color? Well, repainting them to a decent color will be your easiest thing to do, and to do that, you're, pro- you're going to end up taking the cabinet doors off sanding everything down to to where it's nice and smooth and then you can put a, a new coat of paint on it because if you want to go down to to back to stained wood i mean you got to strip everything sand it down to bare wood and start over that's going to be more of a project than it's worth okay all right that was my my question all righty well chris good luck with that <laughs> thank you you bet bye bye yeah, that's going to be one of those rough projects. When you sand it down, you got to make sure everything is smooth and then apply the paint. Uh, you know, the best way to do it is to spray them to get the smoothest finish. So uh, I don't know if you've got that availability or not, but that that's the, the, the smoothest way to do it. Dub, this is Jim. How can I help you? I put a 5-ton AC unit in my shop at a 40 by 50 shop, two-story in the back. And I got tired of burning up out here in the summertime. And uh, uh-huh. I got the unit all set up and ready to rock, and, and, uh, but I need to get some insulation in here. I'm thinking spray-in. Uh, I figured I'd get a hold of you and see what you'd recommend. Okay, so you got a five-ton, and, and you're looking at doing what with it now? I need to insulate the shop. Okay. There's no insulation here now, and the five-ton just really won't keep up. Like, like this time of day, it's going to run until the sun goes down. Yeah. 
Now, do you keep the place heated, heated and cooled all the time or just once in a while? Uh, this time of year, uh, in the evening, it comes on about 10 o'clock in the morning and cycles off and on until maybe 2 or so. And once it gets hot, it doesn't have to cycle off. So it's a week and sometimes sometimes six days a week. Right, but what what I mean is you you're not uh, you're not only turning it on like on Saturdays when you're going out there to work. I mean, it's something Correct. that's on all the time. Yeah, it kicks okay. on about ten in the then, morning. Yeah, the, warming up. Yeah, then the spray foam insulation would actually be great. Uh, inch for inch, it does the best, has the highest R value, and not only will it give you a high R value when you spray it on there, it's going to seal up any air gaps and stuff as well. So you're not okay. going to be, you know, cooling the great outdoors. Sure. I can't do that. So on those metal buildings, yeah, it's an ideal situation. Okay, do you have somebody recommend? Truthfully, no. Okay, so... Uh, because in most situations, I don't, I don't, you know, do a lot of recommending. Um, Williams Insulation, I believe, does it. Okay, Williams insulation. Okay, yeah. does anybody make um, insulation to go on your uh, your four piece, five piece doors? I heard some somebody said something like a panel you can put in there to insulate that garage door. Is that you? You familiar with that? Well, they make a uh, radiant barrier that that's made out of air bubble. Yeah, it kind of looks like the bubble wrap stuff. Uh huh. And when you put that on the door there, it does it does an amazing job of stopping that heat transfer. Okay. Because I can put my hand on that door in the middle of the day and it'll burn you, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yep. tough. Yeah. And what when, when that when that uh, bubble wrap stuff, you know, radiant barriers put on there, it's put you put it on with sheet metal screws that can screw into the lip that's on the door. Uh-huh. And that leaves an air gap in between the metal and the bubble and that space would still get warm but it doesn't transfer into the shop itself that way um is there anything that um i've got two doors that are uh, the coil up type you know is there anything yeah. you can do to insulate those types the only thing that i know of that works on that is a spray on barrier and oh, yeah? you're st it's still going to get some heat, but it does. It definitely helps. A lot of people don't realize this, but spray-on radiant barriers were actually developed for the military for uh, helping with the heat in tanks and and armored vehicles and stuff like that. Uh, so it it doesn't do the same as insulation, but it it darn sure helps. So it's pretty thin. It'd be what eighth of an inch thick, something like that, then. Oh, it's not even that. It's 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 okay. just like painting it. Okay. Because I can't. There's no really any room to have anything with any thickness. Yeah. Once it cools up, won't be able to cold up. You know. So. It, okay. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The radiant barrier is just is, you know the paint is just that. It's just a paint that okay. you would spray on, uh, and it's got metal flakes in it, and that's what acts as the radiant barrier part. Is there any one brand better than the other? All about even money or what? Um, what you can look at is they'll they'll all have a rating as far as how much heat they'll block. A lot of them only block 65. There are some that are blocking 85% of the heat transfer 
that's what you'd be looking for. To get the highest one I can find. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, you wouldn't have a, happen to have a number on wheels by any chance, would you? I sure don't. Okay. Well, Google it or whatever. I'll find it. But right, yeah, Will, just Google Williams Insulation. They're they're a national firm. Okay. All right. Good. Appreciate it, buddy. You bet. Take care. All righty. Let's see here. Next up is Debbie in Pearland. How can I help you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for taking the call. I have a quick question for you. Thank uh, you, ma'am. And I'm on a cell phone, and I'm on the outside of uh, Houston, so I hope that the uh, reception's good. But what are your thoughts on real wood floors over concrete? I'm wanting to replace my carpet and put down wood floors, and yet the people, okay. when I ask them about that, they want to steer me towards the laminate and uh, the, uh, the 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 wood that's put on top of the the particle board stuff. Right. Yeah. I make and questions. most, yeah, it, I, I, it's it's really going to depend on the on the concrete that you have. Uh, if you don't have any moisture issues coming up through the concrete, then the wood floor will be just fine. Uh, a lot of times, the reason that we'll steer you that way is if there's any moisture at all, by putting down, you know, the uh, type that are engineered that way, mm -hmm. there would be a vapor barrier below it, then the wood floor, that keeps the moisture from coming up and ruining the floor. If, a, if you did a glue down and any moisture comes up through the concrete, the glue starts coming loose, the floor starts warping, it just doesn't hold up. So how do you know if you have moisture coming through the concrete? Uh, they can actually do a moisture test, the, oh. but you can do one as well. Pull back a section of the carpet, take a one-foot square piece of plastic, and duct tape it down on the floor. Uh-huh and leave it there for 24 hours if you see moisture forming under the plastic you got a moisture problem you don't want to glue wood floors down on that oh I, I, that's interesting so i guess one of the reasons i'm kind of hung up on this is because my parents had a home in the Paraland area that was built in the 60s and they had gorgeous wood floors ah and but see in the 60s they did it different in the 60s they would put a two by four screed down Everything was filled with tar, and then the wood floor was nailed on top of that two by four on on the top. Uh -huh. And so the uh, excuse me, I had to shut the sound off for a second to cough. Uh, by doing that, the the hot uh, tar that was put on the floor sealed the moisture from coming up, and the floor the wood floor was suspended above the concrete. Oh, and if you did okay. that your floors would be fine as well. But we've gotten lazy, and we want to just glue it straight down on the concrete, and that don't work as well. And it probably adds to cost if you want to do it the, do it the way that with a tar and things like that. Oh, it would astro you, you virtually couldn't do it on, on an existing house because they actually would set the concrete in the areas where the wood floor was lower than the rest of the concrete. Okay. Okay, so I guess it sounds like I'm going to need to go with the engineered wood then, I guess, just because of the the way things are done. 
Oh man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, really I mean, you, you can check the do the moisture check first, but mm -hmm. yeah, you probably will. Okay. And can I ask you one other question? And, and sure. The, um, so the gentleman, you had a gentleman on the phone earlier, and he was talking about the double paned windows. Yeah. And I that six months ago, I had somebody try to break into my home, and they, you know how windows have the little plastic uh, frame on the outside of it to hold the glass? Uh-huh. Okay, so what they did is they tried to pry off that plastic. Yeah. And so now it's just the glass there. And you mentioned, he mentioned that they have argon on the inside of them. Uh-huh. Is that all double-pane glass windows? Yes, ma'am. And so, do you know of anybody that repairs that plastic frame? Well, the argon in the window, it would not be changed because of that plastic frame. All that plastic frame does is hold the glass in place. The the okay. uh, two glass panels are what's called a glass pack. There's a rubber seal that goes around those, and they're vacuum sealed. So, you can remove the glass pack, and the seal still isn't broken. So, that part... You know, you can worry about separately. As far okay. as re as far as replacing those plastic strips, do you have any idea who the manufacturer of the window was? No, it's a it's a Lennar home, but I don't I don't know if you know okay. maybe it's not the standard or Yeah. Uh how old a house is it? It's built in two thousand and one. Okay. The only thing you could do is get a couple of window places out to look at it and see if they can see who the manufacturer is. Now, normally on a uh, window like that, it'll have a stamp on it somewhere as far as who the manufacturer is. And a lot okay. of times it's on the, the locking mechanism. If you can find out who the manufacturer was, they would be, probably be the, your best bet to get the parts that you need to replace that strip. Oh, okay. Okay, so okay, so your I guess your thought is then it's, even though the, the plastic is gone, that the windows are still intact, and so just oh, yeah. for cosmetic purposes, I can go ahead and just fix that, and then yep. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's all the questions I had. I'm, I'm sure I'll have others, but <laughs> I have your phone number, so I can call you. So, but thank you. Not I a appreciate problem. Appreciate the information and um, for helping clarify that the wood floor question because that really kind of bothered me. You know, and um, now I know which direction I need to go in. So. Thank you again. Well, Debbie, all you got to do, you know, if you want to ponder the question a little bit, is go down the road to the King's Beer Garden, order a beer, have a schnitzel, <laughs> and think about it. I love that place. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Debbie. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mike and Katie, how can we help you? Hello. I got a... Uh, I got a problem with the coils in my attic. I have a Linux air conditioning. That the house is only eight years, I guess nine years old now. And uh, I had to put $200 worth of Freon in it. And they did a uh, pre uh, pressure test on it. And come to find out there's a real tiny hole in the coils. Well, I have a extended warranty now, and the extended warranty refuses to replace the coils they say that the coils, and I quote, are rusted and too old. I don't know what kind of an idiot would make a statement like that, but they did, and I heard them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, but, uh, this this Gary, and let let me 
and I, and I got to be real careful because I'm on the radio and we're we're spreading this out to everybody out there. And I don't know who your warranty company is, but you hit the nail on the head when you just said what you did. Um, <laughs> the the tube sheets in an evaporator coil rust. Um, uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, Linux is a good product. In some cases, that leak is repairable. I don't know where your leak is. Uh, and I would tell you, uh, you may have a 10-year warranty directly back to Linux. You may be better off bailing on that warranty company and, and just going straight to um, a contractor. Oh, maybe like Due West Air Conditioner, one of those guys. <laughs> and um, Because you may have a 10-year warranty on that coil from Linux. They, they do that a lot. Well... I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I knew I know that there was a class action lawsuit. And there the was. The that I have is involved in that lawsuit. I, I would tell you to Google Linux's local number uh, on the internet, and uh, they that will call the eight hundred number. Matter of fact, forget the local number. Call Google Linux Industries, uh, Dallas, Texas, and um, and and call that eight hundred number and express your concern. Uh, um, I don't know that I'd bring up the warranty company and, and all of that. Uh, that, that. Well, it doesn't really matter if it's got a warranty on it. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, there was a big class action. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of it, uh, but it, it would not hurt for you to take, you know, 20 minutes and call that 800 number and express your your uh, your displeasure with their product. Well, I understand that, and I've already done that, and it didn't get me anywhere. So well, the only other option, I don't want to pay $3,000 to replace the coil out of my pocket because, like I said, the house is only nine years old now. And this this is a something that was with the coils whenever they put it in, I guess. So the only other well, option would be to, re, to try and repair those coils. Yeah, Mike, I, let, me, let me tell you, in my, I, I'm a service technician by trade. Uh, 40 years of it, um, and I've banged heads with the warranty companies out there, and they do call that rust uh, wear and tear. That's something they enjoy doing. You know, you you, you may want to try to go over somebody's head on that end. I mean, if you, if you happen to have, I don't know if Linux extended that warranty. You told me you've run through that option and you didn't get anything. Some coil leaks are repairable, but what this just really boils down to is can I fix it or do I have to replace it? I, I know you don't want to, and I wouldn't want to either, but th those are really your two options no matter who you call. Can I fix it or do I have to replace it? And um, right. and that's what you got to find out. See, I have pictures of the coil. That the, uh, I, the technician that came out, he took a picture, and he sent that picture, well, he sent it to the, at home warranty company because it, it and I heard the conversation between him and the guy. Uh, now, when you you said you talked with with did you talk with the home warranty though or did you talk with Lennox? I talked with Lennox a long time ago. See, I got it. I got a letter in the mail from I I don't know somebody in Dallas that was in charge of this class action lawsuit. Right. So I I called Lennox and they and I got the coil number and come to find out that it was the coil that was on that class action lawsuit. Okay. So 
it sounds like everybody's backing off of it since I wasn't involved. I didn't get into that class action lawsuit, and that may have been a mistake on my part. I don't know. Yeah, they were they were giving away the coil to those people. Linux was providing the coil. Yeah, and if that case wasn't settled yet when you talked to them before, I would make the call to Linux and talk with them again. Yeah, but they did settle it. No, I know, but when you talked to them, was it before or after they settled? I think it was. I think it was before. That's that's yeah, why I, I say I would make that phone call again because they were very. While that lawsuit was going on, there was only limited things they could tell you or do with you. Now that that's closed out, you may get a different answer. I never thought about that. Take I, may uh, you, I may have to buy you a cup of coffee on that one. <laughs> that, that's good advice. And let me give you some more good advice when you're dealing with Linux. Uh, okay. they, hate, they hate when you tell them how dissatisfied you are with their product. Linux is very, very proud of what they produce, and uh, you need to really be dissatisfied with their product. That'll carry you some distance, right there. I guarantee they're probably you listening to it. They're there. probably listening. You can't believe I'm sorry? how dissatisfied I can be. Let them. <laughs> you need to let them know that. All right, I gotta All let right. you go. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bet. you. Take care, Charlie. This is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Hey, got a question for you. I need to pick your brain and find out all the pros and cons about installing an aerobic system. Okay. Are you within city limits? Uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. <laughs> well, the, the area I'm in is incorporated, so I guess I'd have to say yes. Okay. That, that, yeah, that would be city limits. And the reason I ask that, almost all cities... Because of state rules, require that you, if you're building a house or your old septic system goes bad, that you've got to make the switch to the aerobic system. Um, yeah, that's and as far as what we're doing. Yeah. Are you building or, or making the switch from septic? We're making a switch. I, I bought this house 40 years ago. Okay. And here's what you're going to find with the aerobic system. Uh, the maintenance on it is actually a little bit more than what you've got on a septic system right now. I mean, with the septic tank, you you would dump the bacteria in it, and and that was pretty much it, except for every couple years you'd have it pumped out. With an aerobic system, they actually have to come out and do an inspection on that system. And I can't remember if it's once a year or twice a year. They add chlorine tablets to it. Because it is basically a sewer treatment facility, just like a city would have a, a big sewer treatment facility. It's just a smaller version of what a city would have. And after it treats the water, it sprinkles it out on your yard with a sprinkler head. Totally useless water, though. Uh, everybody, I've got one at my house, actually. I, I converted, uh, I think, eight years ago now from a septic to the aerobics and i had i have had zero problem other than one of my pumps went out on it uh, other than that i have loved it the beauty part of it going from a septic tank to an aerobics when you're on septic you kind of got to watch how much water you use when you're on an aerobic system it doesn't matter because when the tank has water in it it just 
it treats it, pumps it out, and, you know, it, it continues going. So it's much more like being on a city sewer system than your old septic tank was. It, but there's no downside to them? Or? Not that I have found. I, I, I have, other than having to have the, the inspection and the chlorine tablets done, uh-huh. uh, I, I have had zero issues with it. Uh, and you know the, the inspections. The only the only reason I call that a downside is it's something that the state mandates that you get those inspections. But other than that, no, they they actually work great. Okay, hey Jim, I truly appreciate your time, young man. Not a problem. Take care, Charlie. Jason, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, sir. How are you, Jim? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. Um, I have kind of a different question than, I, I guess, the norm. Um, I, I'm not calling because I have an issue that I'm trying to fix. But instead, my question is, is well, I mean, first, uh, I, I, like, I've paid off, uh, like, where I live now. And I'm actually, like, wanting to, you know, look at possibly, like, building in the future. And my question is, and I hope you have a pen because I have several questions because uh, it, uh, it's about... Basically, foundation, walls, and 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 roof. Um, like okay. if you were if you were going to build uh, a house, you know, a new home. Uh, uh, concerning the foundation, uh, what what kind of soil would you be looking for? And like and on the uh, like if you were pouring concrete, how, how thick of a foundation are you wanting? Like where the outer walls are and where the the, the rest of the house or the rest of the foundation, and then on the walls, um, what kind of insulation would you be putting? Would you do, like, spray-in? Would you do, like, the, the regular or the, old, the older kind? Would you do, uh-huh. and what about, what about thickness of the outer wall? Uh, what would you do? And then... Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, let, I'm sorry. Let me start, because, uh, uh, yeah, let me, uh, let me get started here. On the foundation, first thing is get a soils report done. Because the soils report will tell you exactly what you need to build for a foundation in the given soils that are in that area. As far as what I would put for beams, normally I'm looking on a perimeter. For a, I, If I was building, and when I built my shop I did this, I put a 36-inch perimeter beam and 32-inch cross beams. Uh, steel rebar, not cables. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the post-tension cables. And the main reason is rebar holds the concrete together, keeps everything rigid. The cables, they do a great job of holding everything under tension. But it's designed to flex. And, you know, they were originally built, designed to be used on bridges and stuff where, there's, where they needed some flexibility. Our homes, our buildings, don't need flexibility they got to be rigid because everything we put on top the sheetrock and such it it has no flex to it so that's how i would take care of the foundation on the walls two by four walls we really don't need two by six in the wall itself i would use spray foam insulation closed cell so it doesn't absorb any water in the attic though fiberglass insulation and I'd be looking for an R39 in the attic. Uh, and the reason I don't want foam throughout the house, 
then you're too dependent on the air conditioning system to regulate everything in the house. If you use the foam in the walls, you seal up and kill the sound from outside, you seal air gaps, and you have the highest R value available inch per inch. In the attic, you've got room to put fiberglass insulation and get the same R value, yet the house can still breathe if an air conditioning problem occurs. So that's the reason I would do it that way. Now let's go to the next question. Uh, well, um, I, I had a question about uh, steel versus wood. I know that steel costs more. Um, the steel, it looks, I mean, whenever I see it in some of the box stores, it looks like flimsy. It doesn't look very sturdy. Is, is that something that you can actually use on your outer walls, though? You can, uh, but you you hit the nail on the head. It is more expensive to use. So, uh, And the other issue that you run into, when you get ready to start wanting to hang pictures, wanting to do anything, Steel is, it's a pain. I mean, let's face it, it, it was originally designed for commercial buildings. And so I personally would go with the wood construction. Uh, it, it is substantially cheaper, and it'll be easier to, to uh, get the house built uh, and easier to maintain. Jason, I hate to do this to you. That music means i got to take a quick break. I'll be back with more Texas Home Improvement in just a moment. My 65-year-old home has an open garage. It's closed on three sides, open to the rear driveway. At least three layers of sand epoxy paint on its floor are spalling off. What is the best solution for a permanent base that will not peel and will not adhere where occasional moisture condenses, or and will adhere where occasional moisture condenses and under where the tires for my two automobiles sit. I recall a discussion on your show at one point months ago about a thick bonded material that requires professional installation. Okay, there are some products out there to do this kind of stuff. If you want to try to do it yourself, uh, there is a product called Deitch Coatings. D-I-A-C-H, I believe it is how it said, coatings. And that is something that the do-it-yourselfer can do. And uh, you'd first have to clean up anything that's loose on that. A pressure washer would help to peel it off. Uh, you'll probably have to do some sanding on it to, to get any other loose stuff and scraping and stuff. But anything that's loose has got to come off. If you want a professional installed, uh, there's a product called Lime, or a company, Lime Coat, L-I-M-E-C-O-A-T. And they come in, and it's basically put in on a oh, 3 thick uh, slurry on there that they form it to look like different types of stones, whatever you're looking for, or, or many other types. They can do brick, they can do stone, they can do a lot of different things. But basically, once that's on there, it's there to stay. Uh, standard concrete's at 3,000 PSI. When you use these type of products, they're typically at 7,000 PSI, so they're very hard and are made to adhere to the old concrete. So you don't have a whole lot of problem with them coming up. So that would give you two options on things to look at that would help you out with uh, the issues you're having. Uh, the other thing that you need to remember, if you use a regular epoxy paint, 
If you've got moisture coming up through the concrete, the epoxy paints are not breathable. Therefore, it starts putting pressure on the bottom side of the epoxy paint, and it can peel it off. And it kind of sounds like that's the issue that you're having, especially with all the rains we've been having in the last couple of years. Places where it's never been a problem is now a problem. And if you've got effervescence coming up in your garage, that's that white stuff that kind of looks like cotton candy that comes up through the concrete. That means you've got moisture coming up through the concrete as well. The moisture allows that effervescence to grow, and it's basically a chemical reaction that the water sets off. But uh, regardless, you'd, you have to use a specific coating, and Deitch Coatings has products for that. Uh, the other company who uh, makes some of the off-the-shelf stuff for that type of application uh, would be Quickcrete that you can get that at a lot of box stores, but they make some very specific stuff for the efflorescence and the problems that are caused by it. Another question that had come in. After installing a new water heater, we were unable to get hot water on second floor. We even exchanged it for a second water heater, thinking the first one was defunct. We've tried emptying the heater and letting all the water pressure out of the faucets, refilling, and this was a failure. It is hot at the water heater and at the first floor, but ice cold upstairs. We have read about a mixer or mixing valve, but unsure if this is the problem and where it would be located. Any advice? Well, the mixing valves are when you have a single handle faucet. Inside, in the back side of it is basically the mixing chamber. And how you adjust that single valve faucet that's why it's called a mixing valve. It pulls from the hot and the cold. And sometimes if those valves go bad, you'll only get hot or you'll only get cold. Other times, and this I think is what happened in your case, if you have work done on pipes, a water heater change out or anything like that, you can get some debris that goes through the line. And if that gets into that mixing valve and blocks one of the ports, in this case I think it's blocking the hot water port, it can keep it from being able to mix the water together or from you being able to get hot water. So when you adjust it to the hot water side, in some cases, depending on where the debris gets, it would just plain shut the water flow off. But in other cases, you would just continue to get cold water through the hot water side. So the, the fix is to shut the water off to the home, remove the insert in the faucet itself the the stem and everything comes off and basically you've got a uh, cartridge that goes into the body of the faucet you take that off get it rebuilt clean off the ports everything put it back together and I think your your problem will be solved uh, if it's not something you want to tackle any plumber can handle a problem like that for you so uh, hopefully that helps you out with that You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.